All right, welcome, welcome. Um, I am going to do my best this morning. Um, I currently know about how long it takes me to preach for 25 minutes in regards to how many words that are in my notes. Um, the way that I work is I prepare and then I prepare some more and then I prepare and then I write them all out word for word and then I don't use them because by then it should be in me. Because uh, the key when you were, when, my heart is that I don't want to just know my notes. I, I want to know what God is speaking to me about so that I can speak to you about it. Uh, so there is double the notes that I normally would write. But I'm not going to keep you here double the amount of time, I hope. Um, so we'll see how, how it all goes. Um, you, can put up, you can put up the, th the theme uh, for the year. Uh, Kingdom of Gen, take out my T-shirt. Uh, special thanks to a particular person in our church who does T-shirts uh, for helping me uh, with that. Uh, this is the theme uh, for the year. Now, we call it Vision Sunday, which is great, uh, but the vision doesn't change uh, of our church. We need to understand this is more of a theme Sunday, being that the theme is to remind us what God calls us to do. So every year there will be a different theme, a different emphasis as I seek God. I go, Father, what do you want me to do in this season? What do you want us to do together as a community of believers? And this came to me uh, during Hope Tour. Uh, it was something that uh, I felt the Lord put on my heart uh, when I was watching the programs, uh, being that I felt the Lord say to me, where is the kingdom agenda? Where is the kingdom agenda? The Bible says in Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And for me, I quickly, we have to understand God is interested in order. He's interested in order. He says, seek first the kingdom of God. So I was like, okay, Father, I totally understand where you are taking me. And I sat down to write it down. I had no idea what to say or what to write down. I was like, okay, God, do a work in me. What is it that you were trying to say to me for this year? If the theme is kingdom agenda, what does that mean? So we know that the vision for our church is to see people restored, raised up, and released, restored to God and his purpose, to see people saved, to see souls won, to see the kingdom extended through people coming into the kingdom through a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's really getting cold in here. Does anybody agree? Or are they okay? Let's just control that a little bit. I can feel it. Um, it was hot and then it was cold and I want you to be comfortable so you pay attention. That's why I do it. Restored to God and his purpose. The second thing is to see people raised up. That's about discipleship. We are a discipling community. We want to see you grow. We want to see you mature. We want to see you take steps of faith because that's what God wants us to do, to grow. And then to be released isn't necessarily to leave. Though I pray we will send out missionaries. I pray that we will send out church planters. I pray that we will release people into commerce and into business and into schools and into every sphere of our society. The release is the active part of our mission. The active part being, I've encountered God, I'm growing in my faith, and now I am on mission to see the kingdom of God come and His will be done. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. So what does that look like for you? You know that we all have an agenda. Everyone has an agenda. Now that agenda uh, isn't necessarily a negative thing. What is on the agenda for today? Most people, if you don't, you should keep a diary. If you're a constant double booker like I was, is because you didn't have a diary. But what's on the agenda for today? What's the plan? There can also be an agenda where you go, hey, I'm here, but I'm here for a particular reason. Where is the kingdom agenda in all that we do? And I felt the Lord say to me, we need to, as a community, keep the kingdom agenda at heart. God, I believe and I trust in you 
And Father, as I live my life to follow you, I keep what you are calling me to at heart. In everything I do when I'm parenting, what's the kingdom agenda? Where can I influence people to grow them closer to Jesus? When I'm at work, how can I do that? When I'm with my friends and with my family, how can I do that? Where is the kingdom agenda? I'm not going to lie. It has been not as planned over the last four years. In November 2018, I became a senior pastor full of faith, full of excitement, and I still have that. But in the first year, I felt the Lord say to me, and also advice given, don't change anything. Keep it the same. People are here because they like the vision. After year one, that's what I did. Then we moved into two years of COVID interrupted gatherings and development. And then last year, I really felt the Lord say things resettle. Let it settle. But I, I, can't, I can't be there anymore. Just so you're aware, as a community, I will not be staying in that place anymore because there is an agenda that God has given us as the people of God to go and reach the world. And I need to lead our community into some activity to see souls one. I need to lead our community into some activity to see you grow and develop as a believer, to grow closer to God and more in love with Him. I need parents to start parenting better because of a kingdom agenda. I need people to start working within business better because of a kingdom agenda. We can't sit still any longer. So we're going to go on a journey this year with steps of faith and steps of courage. And I'm learning that it's okay not to get things right all the time. Because if you have a kingdom agenda, you're moving in the right direction. Jordan has obviously read a book somewhere, came up with a phrase that was incredible, falling forward, failing forward. That's great. And was that yours? No, I knew it wasn't yours. I didn't ask. It was a great call. We've got to grow and take steps of faith and ask God to use us to do big things because we do only live once. We want to seek first the kingdom of God. We want to see the kingdom of God move forward. So we're going to turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 4. I want to look at this scripture for a period of time. I want to talk a little bit about what it says and then I want to speak into the principles that I feel we need to build in our community this year. Now last year I called them stepping stones. I felt that they were one at a time. This year I felt the picture more was a launching pad. It's going to be the three different areas where I believe that we can launch from. You don't need to do one after the other. You need to grab a hold of all three and you really need to move forward together. And I really feel, before I begin, I wrote it down and I highlighted it in yellow, which means pay attention to it, is this. I felt the Lord say there's going to be a shaking of rhythm. It's going to be a shaking of rhythm. People have been stuck in the same rhythm for the last three or four years. And what's happening is God is going to begin to shake it. Now, when something is being shook, what happens is it's not comfortable to be in. It's like if a car is shaking and, and you're uncomfortable and you're moving. But as you get into the rhythm that God is setting for you this year, a smoothness is going to come. But I really feel the indicator of God's will is it will be smooth. But rhythms need to be shaken. And I believe we're going to do that. I believe we're going to move forward. Matthew chapter 4, an interesting uh, text to preach out of when you're trying to cast vision. Um, but what I did is I sought the Lord and I said, Father, where is there an example where there's two agendas at work against one another? And I was literally led to this scripture uh, which is the beginning, and I'll read from verses 1 to 11, but this is what it says. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Like if you think about that, led by the Spirit, one agenda, to be tested by the devil who would have had another agenda. Now, we know that God was actually in control of all things because he sent him into the wilderness to know that he would be tempted. So Satan was actually at the work of God. He just didn't realize it. 
But there are two agendas there. Satan has an agenda. But God has an agenda. So let's read the word. Then he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting, oh hallelujah, 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Can I get an amen? Amen, amen. Let's just pray for a moment. Father, strengthen us because Jesus did good stuff after committing. And we want to honour you, Lord. Help me to have no cake today. In Jesus' name, amen. (laughs) The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered him, it is also written, Do not put your Lord, your God, to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All of this I'll give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him alone. Then the devil left him. And angels came to attend him. What a powerful portion of scripture. I think there's some pretty cool things that are happening there. And as I began to sit in the word and ask God to speak to me and and researched it and, and looked at it and read commentaries and had conversations about it, I really felt the Lord begin to speak to me out of this scripture. The plan was initially out of Philippians to talk about Paul and that he was a tent maker with a kingdom agenda. Great message, but not what God wanted me to preach. I hope it would have been a great message. I never wrote it. I was obedient. I was obedient before the work was put in by the grace of God. You know, that's just a word that's come to me. Sometimes you can write a message that's not what God wants you to write. You put all the work in and you haven't listened. I think it's better for people as we move forward this year to listen to God before the work is done. You'll save time, you'll save energy, you'll do more. So we're in this scripture. And what's happening is there's actually always, or not always, but in this context, there's an illustration being made between, between Jesus and what he's going through and the testing that the Israelites went through when they were in the wilderness for 40 years. So Jesus is in the wilderness 40 days. The Israelites were in the wilderness 40 years. And what happens is every time that Jesus is tested, Now, in some translations, tempted is the word used, but I think the context we need to look at is that uh, it's more of a testing. God was testing uh, Christ. The temptation was what the devil was bringing, but it was a test. And what happens is Jesus answers every time uh, they're they're brought back to between Deuteronomy chapter 6 and Deuteronomy chapter 8. And every time you see an answer from Jesus, it actually comes back to a lesson that the Israelites should have learnt when they were in the wilderness. But they failed. But Jesus would not fail. In fact, he would battle through those tests and he would overcome Satan and he did it time and time again. But with the first test, it says here, In Matthew 4 verse 3, And the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus' reply is from Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 3. And it says this, He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but from every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Satan comes to Jesus and says, turn the bread, the stone into bread. In itself, not a problem, not an issue. But at that moment, to do it 
was not Jesus trusting God. Because the lesson that needed to be learnt in that time was that we don't just get satisfied from food. There's actually something more important that we need from God in His timing. And Jesus was going to be faithful. God will supply my needs. God will supply for me, but I'm not going to force it out of His timing because I trust in Him and will remain faithful to Him. So I don't live on bread alone. Because there's something more important that I need to live by. Every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then in Matthew 4 verse 6, it says this. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you and they will lift up, uh, uh, they will lift you up with their hands and you will, and they will not lure so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answers in Matthew 4, 7. It is also written, do not put your Lord God to the test. Now this one was a little bit harder uh, for me to find. You had to go to two different places. But in Deuteronomy 6, 16, it says, do not put your Lord, your God to the test as you did in Massa. And I was like, great, what's Massa? I was like, is that when you come together like Mass? But you're like... Massa. But what happens is that if you jump back to Exodus 17, 2 to 7, the Israelites are coming to God and they're saying, God, if you're really with us, you need to show us that you're with us by giving us water. God, we want to know if you are really God. If you are really with us, we need water. So what happens is... uh, God uh, says to Moses and the water comes out of the stone and and then because of that, uh, Moses names the place Massa and that's where that miracle happened. Now you go back to Deuteronomy chapter 6, 16. He's saying, don't test the Lord the way you did back then. You see, because what the principle here is this, is that I will trust God to the point it goes beyond needing to test Him. I love God and I trust in Him so much that He doesn't need to prove it. So in that scripture in Deuteronomy 6.16, it's saying, don't test God by saying, give me a miracle to prove you're good. Give me what I want to prove that you're God, to prove that you're with us. So now what's happening is Satan is saying to Jesus, prove that God is God. And he says, nah, I know scripture too. And I'm not going to test God because my trust in Him goes beyond me needing to test it. And the whole other angle that that whole scripture is coming by is to throw yourself off is an artificially created crisis by the enemy. What if you did this? It had never happened. Trust God beyond needing to be tested. That's what Jesus says by referring back to Deuteronomy 6. 16. And then the third test. He says, all of this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. And Jesus said, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Satan takes him to a place. Now, whether it's in an image, in a vision, or whether it's a particular place, Shows him all the kingdoms of the world. Satan says, I've got dominion here. I'll give you it all if you bow down and worship me. I'll give you political rule. I'll give you governing. And what's interesting about that, what we need to look at is that Jesus came to to win the world. And sometimes when we're tested, a good outcome is dangerous. If it's not God's will and God's purpose. Because what was happening in that moment is the Israelites had many, many times before had sold out only honouring God and being truly loyal to Him every time there was a political opportunity or something to be gained. They kept selling out time and time again. They refused to be faithful. And what's happening is the devil is saying, hey, get the win without the cost. Get the win without the obedience and the sacrifice of the cross. 
And Jesus says, no way. I will only worship my God. I will only be loyal to him. And where the Israelites fell down in regards to testing God, in regards to not being faithful to God, Jesus would not and was faithful. And then his ministry was launched from that moment. An incredible circumstance and an incredible time. Father, we pray that there would be a shaking. So as I looked at that scripture, I realised and I prayed that in every season, no matter your age and stage, no, no matter what your stance is on theology, we're all called to serve God as effectively as we can. So as I pondered, I said, Father, what is it that we need to do as a community to get after your kingdom better? And these are the three things that I saw that Jesus did that we are going to build into our lives as a community this year. Here are the three things and then we're going to talk into them. He understood the Word of God. He understood His call and He knew that He had a mission. So for us today, it'll be understanding His Word, understanding your call and being part of a community that creates opportunity for you to go on mission. So let's look at Word. I think we need a deeper understanding of God's Word. You know that I read the stats this week. You can Google them if you want to. Barna Institute, who I trust, actually have done some research around people that will read the Bible at least a few times a year outside of church. And the statistics among Christians who read their Bible is not that uplifting. It's a reality. But when I look at Jesus, Jesus was and is the Son of God. But in that situation when he is tempted, he doesn't call on supernatural power. He doesn't call on divine help. He doesn't use his divine authority. He battled through the test as a man using what we've been given to fight the same battles, the sword of the Spirit. He used God's Word. He used God's Word. And as I prayed for our community, I didn't want us to be in a battle. And as we're in a battle, we're looking for our weapon. Can you imagine that? If you, you know, go back hundreds and hundreds of years and you're in a battle and you're running into a battle and you look for your sword and it's not there, you would literally U-turn and run. And that's what's happening with Christians. You're fighting battles, but yet you're looking for the sword of the Spirit, which should be written on your heart. And in your heart, it says there in Ephesians 6, 17, it says, take the helmet of salvation, which we have through Christ and his work on the cross and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That's why I wanted a sword behind the theme this year. Every time we see kingdom agenda, I want you to think God's word, the sword of the spirit. So this year, I really feel that as a community, we need to get going. I am actually going to ask more of you this year. I've been pastoral and I will always be that way because that is my heart. But the kingdom of God must be advanced and you must be strengthened in the word of God. So there are going to be opportunities. We've got connect groups that we're going to be doing and we have been for quite a period of time writing sermon study notes based off what is preached. You can go deeper in. But we're also this year uh, been working with um, Pastor Cal and Jasmine on courses that are short courses that will go deeper into the Word of God. So these are not going to be your baseline studies for a new Christian. Though a new Christian that's hungry can get onto it, but we are going to go deeper into the Word of God. We're going to be looking at biblical narrative, uh, Christ, the Trinity, what's true discipleship, the church. We are going to give you an opportunity to strengthen your depth of understanding around the Word of God, but it's up to you whether you take a hold of it. 
Sunday morning preaching is very important. Teaching is very important. But I see this room coming to be a place where in Hebrews chapter 10, it says, don't put off gathering together so that you can encourage one another and stir up good works and deeds. So when we come into this place, we want to encounter the Holy Spirit. We want to worship together. We want to hear the Word of God preached. We want to take communion. We're going to see people baptised. We're going to hear the Word of God, but your teaching needs to go deeper than that. Because the stats tell me we can all do better at reading our Bible. And the more that you know about the Word of God, the more available the sword of the Spirit, which is your only weapon, will be able to be available to be used. Jesus fought off Satan as a man, not using any other supernatural power except the Word of God, which is supernatural. And you were given the same weapon. So we've got to go more. So I want to encourage you. If you're not in a connect group, get in a connect group. It's an opportunity every second week to come around the Word of God, have spiritual conversations, ask questions. When these courses come out, we've picked a particular amount of time so that you can get in, get deep, see what's going on, and then back to connect groups. There needs to be a greater desire for the Word of God and the way that it is developed is the more time you spend in it, the greater love you have for it, the stronger you are when the enemy comes. I want to declare right now, Lord, there's a new authority coming on people's lives. A new authority. You know, I think back to a story uh, many, many years ago. Uh, I'm nursing and um, I walk into a room and the person is out to it, like they are gone. Now, I'm in my graduate year. So what that means in your graduate year is you have the knowledge, but you don't really. <laughs> and you are working it out on your knees every day before work. But you have a lot of covering, especially in the hospital I was in. So I walked in, and, and my emphasis was very simple. Charles, you're very, very immature in your understanding. So you tell somebody with experience about everything. Like, hey, I found a spot on that person's leg today. Charles, they're in for bowel surgery. What are you looking at the spot on the leg? I'm just letting you know. It's in my notes. And then I felt like I put in the notes who I told about the dot so I could share if that dot ever came back. And what happens? I walk in this room, this person's out to it. So I hit the alarm. I met call and the room fills with people. And in my heart, I'm trying to be cool, but I'm overwhelmed. I'm panicking. Like literally, you know, fight or flight. I was like in the room as soon as it filled, I'm like, run. <laughs> you know, because I always taught the graduates what you do is if you ever see a person in a hospital holding a bag of saline walking really quick, that means that they don't know what they're doing and they're looking busy. So that's, you know, at that moment. I was actually absolutely frightened. This person's unconscious. They're not well. They're, 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 I'm worried. The ICU physician walks in the room. They hook up these drips. And in the middle of all the panic, they've got this giving set which you have to squeeze. And I'll never forget this moment because in the middle of it, I'm in a panic and I look at the physician and he goes, gee, squeezing this is a bit of a workout. He was not worried at all because he had knowledge that was greater than mine, which then gave him the authority to be comfortable in the situation. The person quickly got fluid in, their blood pressure came up, they woke up, they were fine, he wrote some notes, he went home. But because he had a deeper understanding of what was going on, he had a greater authority in the situation. There will be greater authority that comes on your life the more you know about the Word of God. Can we be passionate about the Word of God this year? We're going to provide the opportunity, but you lock in and grow. Because I can set the direction as a leader and you can still do nothing. But if we go together, if we all go all in together, 
You know, why can't we have uh, an issue of finding the correct space for the, for the teaching uh, scenarios, the deeper courses, because we're all here, we're all in together, we're hungry for the Word of God. Can you imagine what that would do in your life? I want to challenge you. Jesus knew the Word in that scenario. He wasn't searching for his weapon. He knew it. I want to be like Jesus. God's Word. The second thing, Jesus knew his calling. In Matthew 3.17, the moment prior to being led by the Spirit into the wilderness, it's when Jesus is baptised and the Holy Spirit descends from heaven like a dove and a voice comes from heaven. And in the New Living Translation, it says, And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son. He brings me great joy. Another translation, in whom I'm well pleased. Now Jesus had a calling and he knew what it was. John 3, 16 and 17. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. Jesus knew what he was called to do. And when you know what you're called to do and you're passionate about it, you don't sway either side when temptation comes. Call helps you set the direction for your life. You know, I was pondering this week, And there are some people that I would say are a pastor's dream. Now, we know vision is important. You've got to set the vision. Habakkuk says, write it down. Make sure it's clear. Absolutely. But there are people that know exactly what they're called to do and nothing can shake them from it. Here's the example. I know that there are people in this room today that love running. Now, they can run and actually not be signed up for a marathoner. They can be a marathoner but not actually run a race. They They run because they love it. There can be people in this room that love cooking. They're like a chef, but it doesn't mean that they're a chef. It means that they love cooking. They're not going to stop cooking. They do it because they love it. When God calls you and you know what that call is and you're walking in it, you don't even need vision because you're going to do it anyway. Tell John to stop reaching people for community. Just I dare it won't happen. He'll start praying for you right there and then. He'll be in the meeting like, can we pray? I'm like, oh, hallelujah. It happens every time. Try to tell Pastor Greg to not be in the Word. I try to tell Pastor Geordie to stop playing guitar. Keeps finding a way, oh, the team needs me, Pastor. I'm like, yeah, whatever, man. When you know what you're called to do. I love what Paul says. He says, for me to live is Christ. To die is gain. Paul is saying, I know exactly what I'm called to do. And because I know what I'm called to do, it's everything to me. And I think we need to do that at a deeper level. I think that every person in this room has a call of God on their life. Now let me speak to you from this premise. The call of God on your life doesn't just have to fall in line with what we're doing here. If God calls you to be a carpenter and you're out there and you love being a carpenter and you're going out with the emphasis, what is the kingdom agenda for me to do as a carpenter? You will see people restored, raised up and released. Just by honouring God with what He's called you to do, it will align with what we are called to do collectively because the kingdom agenda is to see people saved that don't know Jesus, to see them matured and grown and to see them released into the call of God for their life. 
You could be a teacher, a pharmacist. If you go with the kingdom agenda, God, give me an opportunity because my call is to first seek the kingdom of God. So my agenda is you. My call is what you call me to do. So I feel this year, another launch pad is we are putting some time into finding out what you feel called to do. We've already got a little bit of a subcommittee that's working on it. They met on Friday around here. Here, my premise. If you know what you're called to do when you're serving in it, you won't burn out. You won't get tired. You'll keep going. But you need to know what you're called. It'll hold you on the path that God is setting before you. Jesus knew what he was called to do. And he was ready to see it accomplished. Then the third thing is mission. Now, I want to quickly differentiate in my heart what I believe the difference between a call and a mission is. The call is when God comes to you with a scenario that you accept. So I'm called to be an architect that helps set up schools in Vanuatu by helping them design it. That's what I'm called to do. Mission is when you're there on the ground doing the work to see the school built. Because you can be called and not on mission. But we need to be a people that know God's word, know his call, and then we need to provide opportunities for our community to go on mission. If you're called to business, if you're called to being a mum, if you're called to being anything that God calls you to be, the call is one thing, but we need to get on mission. We knew what Christ's mission was. It was to die on the cross. And I might invite Jared to come up. It was to die on the cross so that we could be restored to God. And then he gives us our mission, the Great Commission. And in Matthew 28, 16 to 20, it says this, Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. but Some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have given you all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore go. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always to the end of the earth. At the end of Christ's mission, He gave us ours. It's to reach out to the world. But when you're reaching out, I want you to have a strength in the Word of God and know what God wants you to reach out to. You know, at the end of last year, and this is probably a fall forward example. Grow by falling forward. So last year, who was at the Christmas event? It's awesome. We put on an event for you to stand in a line. That's what we did. Now let me tell you a little bit about the heart behind that, what was happening that day. At the end of the year, we had gathered and I'm itchy to do stuff. I'm being told all around me, they're in the pastoral zone, they're tired, they've they've been, it's been a year. I'm like, man, I feel like we did nothing. We let them resettle, let's do something. I'm like, come on, let's just go to a park and bless one another. We BYO chair, BYO lunch, this is literally how it started. And it'll be a great time together. We used to do it on Australia Day when we were quite small as a church. I said, it'll be great. And then I thought, you know what? If we're going to gather them, let's put on a little bit of food. And then it developed to what happens if it rains? Because we live in Melbourne and that's a thing. So I thought, all right, let's change it from pizza in the park to pizza in the car park because then we can come inside. And then I was like, you know what? Why don't we get some more stuff for the kids to do? 
you know what, why don't we just open it up to community, not just blessing each other, but why don't we bless each other and bless community? So we put it on a Facebook um, to see what God would do. So I was anticipating 200 to 250 people because it's a busy time of year. We've got a lot on and it's busy. So at 250, I thought, praise God, we've got 250 people. This is amazing. Then at 300, I'm like, golly, I think we're going to need more food. So then I come up with, hey, I'll do the little burger sliders. It'll be great. And we'll do potato gems. Then at 400 registrations, it turns out there's a potato shortage. So then we're going everywhere trying to find potato gems and buying up every single brioche bun slider you can find across northeast Melbourne. I'm telling you, we were robbing every one of them. So we're getting text messages. I found a box, grab the whole box, get the whole thing. Then at 500 registrations, we had to take it off the internet. Now, was the event successful? Yes. Was it perfect? Heck no. But it was our first year. So we'll do more food. We'll do more kids' activities. Because this is what I found out, that we would have had over 100 people linked to community that came without a personal invitation from one of us. Over 100 people we don't even know. So I was there at one point and I really felt the Lord begin to speak to me. I'm there, I'm on there. If you didn't see me on the night, I was there. I was making the burgers. But there was a moment that night where I was like, this is sick. Because what happened is I looked at the lines and I was like, oh no. Because I feel like I've been diagnosed with a thing. A friend of mine told me about hurry syndrome. You know that thing where you're always busy and you can't stop being busy. And it's like you line hop at the supermarket to try and find the best option. That's me. I'm always on the go. I'm always on the go. Everything's quick. I've got to eat quick. I've got to move quick. I've got places to be, things to do, hurry syndrome. So a big line to me is like a no-no, which will do better. But I'm at that moment and I look up. And I see, I see kids running around. I see on one side, I've got a brother in Christ checking all the meat diligently for temperature because I'm funny with food. We all know my chicken story and we're checking. And then I've got a brother on the other side doing his thing with the uncooked meat. Then there were people serving in front. Two beautiful young ladies from our community serving in front. Then I look over and Nathan has cut his hand, Pastor Nathan, gone and got it glued, returned with a blue glove and he's throwing the pizza dough in the air. And Maria just retired and we had an injury right in that moment. And then I looked around and coming out of the kitchen was one of our guys from the youth ministry running with potato tots because I was on a hurry. I'm like, move the potato gems, baby! And there's guys in the kitchen. I look over in the back corner and we're singing carols. Look over in the other corner and there's kids' activities. And as I looked at that, I thought, it's imperfect, yes, but you know what it is? It's our church on mission. There were moments there that were ordained by God. There was a person that just so happened to run into Pastor John. He's all emotional. It's Christmas time and his fridge is broken. So Pastor John just so happens to go, well, there's a fridge in the Hope Centre, you can have it. And then I betcha he prayed for him. (laughs) Laid hands, spread the gospel. Johnny, did you pray for him? Yes, he did. Of course he did. (laughs) I met another mum with three kids and she came up to me and she's like, listen, in my heart, I'm like, the lines, the waiting, not enough to do. She goes, hey, I saw it on the Facebook And I was thinking, what am I going to do with my three kids? I don't have much money at the moment. No, but I have pizza, a burger, a pony ride, play with the stuff. And it was all free. She was so touched that she went and asked who's responsible so that she could find me. That's the church on mission. We need to create more opportunity for us to feel uncomfortable because we're on mission. 
one of the greatest things about Hope Tour is that all of those young people, it's like a local missions trip. They stay together. They, they uh, sleep in building floors. Every day they're up serving community because they're on mission. They grow closer together because they're on mission. They love God more because they see the evidence in serving God. What's happened is when you are on mission, you're fulfilling what God called you to do. So my desire this year is I'm going to create opportunities for us to welcome the community in. Your job is to invite and receive them. That'll mean more community events. I remember a few years ago, we had a guy come through by an evangelist. His name is Mark Ritchie. He's a comedian. And what he would do is he did a whole comedy skit. And then he would preach the gospel. Now, I remember those nights because Pastor Nick was so hell-bent on inviting community I don't know if you guys remember, he, he invited these really awkward pre-show acts and they were awful and uninvited our friends, but he just wanted them to get saved. And a lot of them did. Always on mission. Always on mission. Always inviting in. So we're going to do more community events this year, but we're going to need you to help with them. Because if we're going to receive that many people, we need more people making pizza, more people making burgers, more people doing kids stuff. We need to be on mission. I have a desire that every person in this church goes on some form of cross-cultural missions trip. They are amazing because you are on mission, but they are awful because they're so messy. But not always. But Christ calls them. And He calls us to go. Go into all the world. Preach the gospel. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty. You gave me a drink. I was in prison and you came to visit me. It's the go. It's the mission. So this year isn't a charismatic appeal to something spectacular. It's not who I am. I'm a simple person. It's to know more about God and His Word so that we have the sword of the Spirit ready to fight battles. It's to understand your call. What is God putting in your heart? What passions do you have in you and you can put to work for a kingdom agenda? And then it is we are going to provide opportunities to go on mission together. So I ask if you're willing to be part of that this year, would you stand? We'll invite the whole band. Everybody's standing. If you're not, God bless you. We still love you. Still come. To grow in His Word. To actively seek God for what He calls you to do with a kingdom agenda. And to go on mission. Let's see baptisms. More than we ever have. You know, last year was the most baptisms we've ever had. Next month, can't remember the date. Geordie's not at the front. March 19 is the guest that's coming out of my mouth. We're having a baptism service. There are already people ready to be baptised. We're going to run Alpha. We're going to do more in the community. I know John is already planning for community market style things. We're inviting community in and we're putting you on mission for the Kingdom of God. What's the priority in your life? Seek first the Kingdom of God and His righteousness, Kingdom agenda. Why don't we raise our hands? Dear Heavenly Father, right now, today, we commit and dedicate this year to You. Father, this year, I'm going to learn more about Your Word than I ever had before in my life. Father, I thank You that You are going to speak to me and show me things in Your Word that are going to help me live life to see Your kingdom come and Your will be done. Father, I thank You that I'm going to seek You passionately this year.
for what You call me to do and who You call me to be. If it's a change of career, we're ready. If it's a new focus, we're ready. If it's the ability to carry what You've already given us, we're ready. Whatever it is, Lord, different style of parenting, we're ready. Father, I can't think of any other things, but we will change to align with what You call us to do. For somebody out there thinking, how do I find out? God will give you passion for something. Use it for the Kingdom of God. Father, put us on mission. We will not be idle anymore. Father, help me as the leader of our community to be constantly uncomfortable. Father, help me to put on things where if you don't show up, it won't show up, Father. Father, help me to stretch our people to go after the Kingdom of God because we will not be comfortable anymore. Father, help us to look with eyes that when you see people that need to be connected and loved on, the Father they will. In Jesus' Name. I actually want to encourage my beautiful wife. Uh, let, me, let me tell you the heart of our household. So today we have the pre-meeting in the cafe. There's maybe 40 of us there. And I see her walking around the room by herself, just looking at everybody, smiling. So I pull her over to give her a cuddle. I'm like, you're looking weird. You're by yourself. What are you doing? She goes, I'm enjoying that everybody is connecting and looking to see if anybody's alone. That needs to be the spirit of this place. I enjoy that we are a community, but if there's somebody alone, we want to reach them. We want to love them. Let's not leave it to the few. Let's not leave it to the few. So in closing, let's sing something. If you don't know Jesus, it's the most important relationship you can have. And I want to encourage you that the Bible says this, that there's no other name except the name of Jesus by which you can be saved. So if you have not called on the name of Jesus, I'd love to have a conversation with you about what that is and what that means so that you can walk in the victory that I walk in. I have a relationship with God. I can enter His presence without fear and trembling, but with confidence and awe and love because of Jesus. And you can have that too. You need a relationship with Jesus. So Father, we love You. We bless Your name. In Jesus' name, Amen.